Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to what I believe is the 17th episode of Music Is Everything. This is the podcast where I take a musical idea, thought, belief, fact, opinion, philosophy. I discuss it in detail, both uh, verbatim from a text I've written and then extemporaneously, and I connect it to the rest of the real world, the rest of the world, uh, in hopes of uh, starting and continuing a conversation and showing how everything is connected. Uh, if you like this podcast or my other podcast, Music Is Not a Genre, or any of the recorded or live music on this channel, please take a moment to subscribe to my channel. It would really mean a lot to me. Um, trying to grow the family, as I say, every other week or so. And or if you know someone or you think would love what I'm doing, who, who you don't know why they keep talking about music, why every time you turn around they're saying, I listen to this or I suggest this or that reminds me of this song or this band and they're just immersed in it or are just interested in it and have eclectic tastes or, or not, but love music in general. Please share this channel with them. Ask them to subscribe. Have them share it with others or share this video or another video you think that they might be interested in. Take a look through all the videos. There's so much diversity on this channel. Um, cohesive diversity is what I like to call it. So this week is the fourth and final episode of my series on illusion in music and art and life. And uh, I think it's a pretty powerful concluding episode of this four-part series, which will not only be a part of the, you know, um, playlists that I make for each of these podcasts, this one music is everything and the other one music is not a genre, I'm going to create a separate playlist, which it may already be in if you're seeing this, uh, of this four-part episode so that you can go right to it because I think you'll, you'll kind of see an arc with what I'm talking about and an overall point that kind of gels together when you watch all four of these. This week's topic uh, in particular Let's get right into it before, after I swallow, is pay major attention to the person behind the curtain when a revealed trick doesn't spoil the fun. There are two kinds of people in this world. Okay, there are way more than two kinds of people. Like, for example, people who don't care about any of this at all. But let's forget about them and be reductionist just for fun. As I was saying, there are two kinds of people in this world. Those whose enjoyment of a trick is spoiled when they find out how it's done, and those who still love the show no matter what they know. If you followed my thread up to this point, you know that I've been using multiple points of entry to make the argument that all music and all art in general is somehow an illusion. 
Since this is the fourth and final episode in my illusion series, it's the perfect time to get to the main point, which is that for all true music lovers and really most of everyone else, it doesn't matter. Knowing or not knowing how something is created makes no difference to someone who loves the music. In fact, I'd argue that knowing makes the listener enjoy it more. Having some idea or even getting a detailed analysis of how a musical work is put together increases appreciation because you see how much effort and craft and thought and inspiration go into its creation and how even an end result that seems exceedingly simple contains dozens or hundreds of decisions and skills, some of which even the creator is unconscious of. When I listen to a song, the more I relate to it, the more I want to know how it came to be. From the reason for its inception, to why it sounds like it does, to what the lyrics connect to, to the underlying chord progression, to how a certain passage is played or sung. The more I know, the more I get into it. And when I pull back and just listen for pleasure again, I can still feel it and be carried away by it. I'd say I'm more inside it than if I didn't know as much. No amount of learning and discovering and overall tipping the scales that much more from ignorance to knowledge is going to spoil the fun. It doesn't take away all the emotional or psychological impact. It deepens it. It makes the music stick with me longer, stick with you longer, maybe even forever, and colors your enjoyment of and connection to every other type of music related to it, which ultimately is everything. We get a lot of information thrown at us from birth to death, some central and vital, some peripheral and optional, some accurate and some... Um, way less than fucking accurate. Some we want and thrive on. Some we push away and are scared of. Hell, we are still in what's called the information age, which just means that the things we can know can be found easier and faster than ever before. We all filter the information in different ways and for a multitude of reasons. Just like with music, we choose to listen more to what draws us in the most and maybe should explore things we hear that sound foreign or less comfortable or we touch more. Whether we explore beyond our comfort zones or not, there's one thing we should all do more of. Seek out knowledge. Find the truth. Dig deeper. However it's phrased, it means not settling for a surface understanding of anything we have any interest in or taking one person's or source's word for anything. Whatever it is we listen to or believe in or think we know about art or culture or politics or society or any of the issues affecting us or others or the whole world, whether we choose any of that or happen upon it peripherally, knowing more about it is not going to spoil it. It's not going to make things worse or make us weaker or turn us into someone we're not. Nope. It's going to increase not just our understanding of those things, but also our appreciation of and connection to them and to the people they affect. So peek behind the curtain. Find out how things work, how things come to be. And you'll find that when the illusion falls away, what's left 
is more magical than you could have possibly imagined. So there's a lot in here, a lot in here. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to start with a simple thing, though, which is something that I learned from one of my favorite podcasters, Kevin Stroud, who does the History of English podcast, right? Actually, I didn't learn it from him. I learned it years and years ago, but he did elaborate on it, which was very cool. It's something called, uh, sticking with music here first, it's something called a Mondegreen. And Mondegreen itself, the name comes from what it is, which is a mishearing of lyrics. We do it all the time. There's so many songs where it sounds like they're singing one thing and really they're singing another, right? And you get into it, and I, rem I remember, and I don't know why, maybe because it was a little mumbly at first, but I remember the Pearl Jam song, uh, Jeremy. I could not understand the chorus line the first few times I heard it. I had to really listen to get, was it Jeremy spoke in class today? I think it is. Uh, I don't, I, I wasn't entirely sure what it said. And my brain, for some reason, heard it as clearly spoken, clearly said. Totally not it at all, right? But then I took that line and I wrote a song based on it. Once I realized that wasn't what the, their song was, I wrote a different song based on that. And uh, that all came from the Mondegreen, from mishearing lyrics, right? And, and the thing is, when I learned the truth about what those lyrics actually were, and it made me more interested in what the lyrics as a whole were about, I got more into the song. It didn't spoil it for me, you know? And that's a very simple, you know, uh, example of what I'm talking about, but hopefully it gets the point across. And if it doesn't, I have another point, you know, another, another example, which is, um, let's take an artist like Prince, who off and on throughout his career would record with other musicians, have a band, etc. And then, uh, you know, would record everything by himself and for himself. One of his first albums, he, he recorded every single instrument, sang every single note, right? And wrote every stitch of every song. Um, and then he did that, you know, over and over at various times throughout his career. Um, you can listen to it and find that it sounds like a full band, Right. When you find out that he did everything, does it, does it spoil the illusion for you? Because he's creating an illusion. It's a full band there. There's no way that he can be on all of those instruments at once, live. This is layered music. Talked about this on Thursday, how sound manipulation in the studio, every type of anything you do in the studio is somehow manipulation because you're capturing something live and preserving it. You know, and you can figure that out if you're not sure. Talk to me about it. I'll go into it more. Uh, but... That is an extremely common thing in history, and especially now. Do you know the band Tame Impala? Do you know the older band Badly Drawn Boy? For some reason, he was the first that uh, attracted my attention at this type of thing. And the type of thing I'm talking about is what? Single people that call themselves bands. My band, Wreck, has had various incarnations throughout its 15 or more year history. Uh... As of now, it's me. That's one person, not two. Wow. Okay. It's one person. It's still a band. When you listen to the music, you hear a band. You don't hear one single person playing a guitar or whatever it is, right? That is 
that is an, a type of illusion. Now, finding that out, finding out that Tame Impala is one dude or Prince, some of Prince's stuff is all him or that uh, a lot of what Wreck has done has, has just been me. Are you the kind of person, does that spoil it for you? It's like, oh, I thought it was a whole band and now what, you know? Or are you like, I like the music and now that I found out that it was one dude doing everything, that's kind of fucking amazing, you know? And I'm of the second. I, I believe that um, there is nothing that I can learn about how something was done in the studio or how something was written or why something was written. That the original lyrics to Yesterday were scrambled eggs does not make Yesterday any lesser of a song for me. You know, and again, there's so many examples of this. It goes on and on and on and on. And one of my favorite examples is uh, something, as I segue out of music and into life, is something that I've been through three times, which is um, having children, right? And there are those parents uh, who choose not to discover the gender of the baby, uh, the born cisgender of the baby, until... Uh, birth and those who prefer to find out beforehand and every one of my children I found out beforehand and there are people in the in the other camp who will say it spoils the surprise for them to know whether it's a boy or a girl or what have you uh, beforehand they want that big boom birth and then this and that I can tell you that the scientific miracle of birth itself, that a healthy human comes out of another human that is, that is born of your DNA, your flesh and blood, and that other person's you know, DNA and flesh and blood is enough of a wonderful thing in itself and a surprise that it, it, it made no difference to me that I knew the, the sex of the baby. It made, it, in, in fact it made me anticipate it even more. And that's such a huge example of my point here, which is knowing more about something does not spoil the fucking surprise. It doesn't spoil the impact or the joy of it. You know, I know so much about how effects are done in movies because I'm an actor, I've been behind the scenes, but also because I research some of that and I'm interested in it. It doesn't change the fact that when I watch a movie, like let's say one of the Marvel movies or something like that, that I'm not immersed in the action that's happening there and in the world that they've created, there are hopefully not many adult people who think that any of that is real. They go along with the illusion and yet it still has that same impact. And, I, and, and so, you know, in art and in things in life like, like birth, I think that this is, you know, this is something that actually extends pretty far. And I'll tell you why. And hopefully I won't go too long. Although, we know what? This is the last episode in this four-part series. I'll go as long as I want. You know, it's important. This is important. Why is, why, is, why is debunking the idea that illusion and ignorance is something that preserves mystery in life important? Because it cuts through everything in life. It cuts through everything that we're going through right now. And if you're watching this in 2030 on some holographic device, it is now 2020 and we're in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of major climate change issues, in the middle of an insane election, in the middle of a uh, huge uh, movement on uh, you know, civil rights and trying to you know, equalize things for everyone here, not just in this country, but hopefully in the world and many other crises. And there are people who choose to be 
they're not in and of themselves ignorant people. That's a judgment and classification I am not qualified to make, and, and I hopefully no one thinks they are. But they choose to be ignorant about various things. They choose to be ignorant about maybe the science of something or the social and cultural uh, issues that go into a certain uh, topic, such as uh, you know race and racism and stuff like that. Or, uh, I mean, on and on, the list goes on. And it's partly out of, you know, it's partly out of fear. It's partly out of, well, I would rather not know because what if I find out something that scares me? And I can tell you this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this from a very personal standpoint, which is I've been in therapy, right? And one of the things you come up against, whether it's in therapy or just talking to somebody intimately, is your fear that if you say something out loud, if you express something, it's, it's in part admitting it to yourself more concretely that somehow it's going to get it's going to get worse. So the fear of expressing it, the fear of sharing that knowledge and, and gaining more self-knowledge is, is preventing you from doing that. And I can tell you that every single time, every single time, the fear that you feel afterwards is just a thousand times less than the fear that you feel before. That gaining more knowledge, gaining more insight actually reduces the fear. So that fear that you feel that prevents you from wanting to really know about something, to really dig into something, that fear, whether it's fear of some kind of, um, you know, that you feel threatened in some way or that it will change your worldview in a way that changes who you are. Mm -mm. None of that's real. None of it's real. You know, what is it? False evidence appearing real? I don't know. It's kind of a funny little thing um, that they say F-E-A-R, but it's true. You know, and I believe that the Dalai Lama just did an interview uh, as of the recording of this, which is October, whatever, uh, 2020, and talked about how fear is not a real thing. And, and uh, that was something you hear a lot, but the way he put it, and I would recommend looking up that interview, was just awesome. And it's sad to me, though, because fear um, and self-protectionism not only creates kind of a willful ignorance, it also creates a division among people and it creates this need for people to then fill in the blanks themselves, right? So, uh, you know, uh, alternate realities or alternate, um, alternate facts about something, which is a, an oxymoron. A fact is a fact and an alternate fact is not a fucking fact. It's not real. But those things are created, conspiracy theory, such like that, to fill in those gaps that people are afraid to fill in with, with the real world, you know. Um, so I have some notes here, which I don't usually read right off, but I think this is kind of important. There are things I want to, you know, that I want to say. We as, a, we as humans, for some reason, are afraid that the world itself is not already amazing and fantastical and complex and intricate and surprising and exciting and everything. So we need to create things, uh, to kind of, to kind of control that fear to kind of say, you know, to take the place of what we think is not there in the world. Um, cause as it, cause again, we're afraid that the, that the truth is either way too scary or way too boring. And the thing is, it's, it's not. The, the, the truth, reality, the real world, the way the universe is, the way the earth is, the way society, humanity is, is way more interesting than anything that we could make up. Um, and, and 
You know, I think that the, another reason why we create these things is not just to fill those holes of fear that are preventing us from filling them in with, with real things, but we want to create some sense of connection. And this gets is where it gets, because you know I talk about connection a lot. And so this is where my overarching idea on this channel of connection and um, this four-part series of illusion are deeply intertwined. And that is, again, I have some notes here, you know, uh, sad. It's another, it's another sad way that people try to cope with their fears and their fears of being hurt themselves. And let's not, let's not get into the psychology of that. And I'm not judging them as humans as far as what they've been through, you know, but coping mechanisms, the way you handle something, the way you interpret something is really, it's that idea of how you get up from something that's been done to you is what makes the difference. Because something's been done to many of us in some way, way more than others. Absolutely. Um, but the idea that we can create something that is better than what the, the, the truth is, is super self-centered. It's very, very controlling. It's very like, you know, put yourself in the center and make it about you. And it's ignorant in the end. And it's lazy, you know. You, you know, it, yeah, it takes work to create bullshit stories. It takes work to, to disseminate them and to try to convince others that, you know, but you, but, so in that sense, it's not lazy. The laziness comes from, you know, I hate to quote a TV show and whatever, but the truth is out there. And someone might say, well, this is true, that is true. There is, there are actual ways to verify what's true and what isn't. And, and it, it tires me and it annoys me beyond Believe, you know, I can't even express how much that there are people who say you can never really know the truth. That's just genuine fucking bullshit. It's genuine bullshit. These are, this is a hand. This is another hand. If five sources come and tell you, say, these are flippers, there are another five or 15 or 50 that are going to tell you these are two hands. And whether you find that out on the internet or in a book or in some, you know, news service, I suggest going to 20 different places before you believe what you read or what you see. And that's where that laziness comes. It's a lot easier to make shit up and believe made up shit than it is to find the truth. You know, we, we think we can do better than the universe can. That's the self-centered part. And, you know, why don't we take not just a pinch of effort. It doesn't take that much effort. Even to look at 20 things you can look at in 20 minutes of your life. Um, some self-reflection, which can be a scary thing for a lot of people. But you know what? We do it even though we don't think we do it. Even the people who say that that's wimpy or whatever it is, or I don't need it, you're doing it. Just do it consciously and do it well. And that self-reflection might help you discover a real important fact, which is that everything, everything is already connected. Humans things in the world and the earth and the earth to the rest of the solar system and the solar system, the rest of the galaxy to the rest of the universe. It's all connected anyway, right? So stop trying to create these false connections to things which don't actually serve to connect, to bridge gaps, to create a community. That's, that's the part that's the most galling about all this is that the majority of this shit that comes out of willful ignorance and fear is used to divide. It's used to say, well, you're a part of this group who believes that these disparate things are connected in some specific way, which is 
completely made up. And if you don't believe it, then you are not part of us, you're part of the other, you're the enemy, or what have you. So not only are we trying to create something better than the universe could create it, we're trying to control a narrative based out of fear, fill in fear holes with things that we make up instead of things that actually exist because somehow we think that that's scarier or more boring or, or will somehow threaten us. You know, but, but we're, we're, also, we're also dividing we're doing the opposite of connecting. We're creating, again, I make it simple, bullshit connections in an effort to divide, right? And this is not, you know, yeah, you can turn it into some woo-woo, whatever, but even from a scientific basis, look it up. Look up quantum physics, look up various other, you know, theories and things. Everything is connected. Everything is connected. There's a finite amount of energy in the universe. So when that energy dissipates in one way, it's turned into some other kind of energy, you know, and that can be an existential sentence or it can be just a basic scientific sentence, you know. And the thing is, every, you know, these, these theories have been around in various forms for centuries, let's just say. Part, you know, like the world will end in such and such and it'll happen because this group of people did this to this other group of people. Complete, again, bullshit and the thing that has happened every single time is that they've been shown to be com completely bullshit and reality wins out reality always wins out so there let's say you know the reality of not just people being connected but every human life being of value and of equal value will will win out it's maybe slow like the arc of you know history and slow but it but it will win out you know, and and th that is the short version, believe it or not, of how much I could get into the the ridiculousness of creating this insular world of false connections in order to divide, of of thinking remaining ignorant and filling in that ignorance with stuff that isn't real is somehow going to serve you and the world better than knowing more, than busting the illusion, than finding out what's real. Uh, I could go on, but uh, I hope you I hope you got something from this. I hope you agree with all of your heart, or you disagree to the point where you want to punch the screen, or if you're indifferent, tell me why you're indifferent. I hope I have elicited a response from you, because as always, my objectives are music, life, conversation, and connection. Thank you for listening to this, to my four-part series, to anything else on this channel, for reading, watching, clicking, sharing, subscribing, and I'll see you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.